should wait to come out, that you should uh, try to gain rank or status before you do that. That's a bunch of bull It's a new day in the music industry, and I can reach my fans. We're getting there. I've caused harm to the political agenda, and which I'm actually happy for. I would say probably the best message to them is that they're on the wrong side of history. Whether you're lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, or whatever, Love is love. Shout it out to the world. The Michelle Miao Show. Your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now here's your host, Michelle Miao. Welcome to this awesome Monday. It is Monday, September 26th. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. And uh, with me in studio is our our producer, Kenny, my young nephew, who every Monday and Tuesday comes here to to produce the show, help me put it together so I'm not pressing a bunch of random buttons while I'm doing the interviews in which we have witnessed here on the show. Um, but I'm glad to, to, you know, contribute to your life, Kenny, and, and teach you a thing or two about LGBTQ rights and and uh, our history and, and our culture and our lives. So that's what we do here on the Michelle Miao Show. It's your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. Um, I had a great weekend and, you know, I've been struggling though. I, I think that a lot of us within the community have been struggling with the loss of lives, with what's happening politically here, also with the tragedies that humanity continues to face. Um the tragedy, the tragedies that include also, you know, the racial issues that this country faces, that has been something that all media networks have been focusing and talking about. But um, for me personally, you know, when my uh, LGBTQ black leaders, as far as my friends are concerned, when they're quiet, I know things are going absolutely wrong. And I've not heard from them in terms of how they're, you know, going about all of the police shootings that's happening here in this country. And I think that that's deserving of, of their own position of being sad and traumatized and grieving on their own. This is a serious situation. And so we definitely will be speaking about these issues as the week progresses. Today, we have a great show for you and kind of touching on what I thought would be a good representation of Bisexual Awareness Week had just turned into a conversation that I have with some heroes that that I believe that their work is making a difference. And so that's what we'll focus on today are these amazing transgender activists who are doing great work in their own communities, but also in uh, educating other communities that are not necessarily uh, transgender. So let's get today's program started. Today's show is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. Our next guest is an award-winning filmmaker and playwright, also identifies as two-spirit, trans, and intersex. He's also an activist and has been uh, writing for a really, really long time and and probably has the most extensive biography I've ever read. Um, (laughs) And so I'm very, very excited to have Alec Butler here with us. Alec, thanks so much for joining us here on the program. 
Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, you know how most biographies, when people write them on their website, um, it usually is a paragraph of what they perceive people want to to hear in terms of like their accomplishments. It's it's sometimes a parallel between reality of what they've actually accomplished and what they think they've <laughs> accomplished. But for oh, your yeah. biography, I really, really appreciated reading it because it, it really did seem like it was... Uh, a, a synopsis or a timeline of your your entire life in which uh, I loved reading. So I thought, you know, before we dive into your work and also talk a little bit about your most current work, um, yeah. I'd, I'd love to talk to you about, you know, kind of your coming out process. It seemed like that there was a huge emphasis about that uh, while reading your, your biography. It was very important for people to know your own process. Right. Um... Well, I've never really been in a closet mm-hmm. kind of thing. Right. I, um, well, being born with an intersex condition and presenting kind of genderqueer even as a kid. <laughs> right. You know, I had the, I was given a female name and assigned the female gender, but people didn't perceive me this way. They perceived me as a little boy, which I loved, but, uh, um, it was, um, you know, a source, a site of conflict, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say, mm-hmm. uh, being uh, given a girl's name and uh, being outed constantly because, you know, other cute cute girls would think I was a boy and get a crush on me, and then people would say, oh, that's really a girl. Mm-hmm. Stuff like mm-hmm. that kind of uh, put the kibosh there right. in... Uh, Young, young attempts at connection, and um, and I had a, also had a gang of boys follow me around, doing whatever I wanted them to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, here here's the thing, and, and let's start with you know uh, intersex as an identity. I think uh, we definitely don't talk about it enough. And just recently, it was a discussion uh, during the Olympics, um, as there was right, yeah, right, yeah, right. Um, with Castor Semenya, right. And so, you know, for you, I mean, since the day that the doctors that checked off that box for you, which that box was female, um, yeah, yeah. There's, there's so many problems with that because it, it's actually not, it's not, it's not necessarily true. Yes, exactly. I've been fighting outside the box ever since. <laughs> Right. And kind of for your, I like that you had explained, you know, kind of your parent, for your parents, I mean, it was uh, a concern. They obviously had recognized that, um, you know, checking off that box for you was obviously not right. Yeah. 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 They were um, pretty supportive of me all my life and protected me and wanted me to be happy and uh, happy in myself in my body, in my life, in my mind, and did everything to make sure that happened mm-hmm. and loved me very much. My whole family just adored me. And uh, But society, school, everything outside of that was a battleground for me, mm-hmm. of being accepted, of not being bullied a lot. 
you know, and uh, dismissed. That was another huge problem when people don't want something they can't recognize as being possible. They want to. They want it to be invisible. They don't want it to enter their consciousness or change their minds or expand their minds to accept it. They want to reject it. Mm-hmm. So with that comes actually rejecting a physical another human being in front of you, which is really hurtful, right? Right, right. I was just reading that rejection, humans, human beings feel rejection like actual physical pain. It feels like a bone is being broken mm-hmm. when you're rejected. Mm-hmm. So I felt a lot of that from society when I was growing up, high school, junior high. Even now I feel it still sometimes. In certain in certain situations, and um, that's why I'm out. That's why I talk about this because I don't want other intersex people, other gender queer people, to feel that to feel that they're rejected, that they that they have a place in the society, they have a place in the world. They always have. They have for thousands of years. Intersex people, gender queer people have been around. We've been you know, um, represented in many religions religions as people worthy of worship and um, uh, considering that we have special powers of being both genders or fluid between the genders, that we have special knowledge. And mm-hmm. that's always been um, appreciated by societies throughout the world all around the world, and every age, except our own. Right. So when I realized that, it sent me on a journey to discover why that was, how that happened, how people like me became so reviled that we can't walk down the street without being spit on. We can't walk. We're not accepted in certain social spaces. Like, we can't live fully our lives because of these social strictures put upon us, because of how we present, how we're basically born. So it sent me on a journey to discover back into the um, uh, pre-contact times before uh, Turtle Island, what we call Turtle Island, North America, was um, colonized. sent me back to discover all that and read about all that and have my mind blown about how two-spirit people were treated as um, catamites and sodomites were seen as um, people that had to be destroyed in order for society to go forward mm-hmm. and be only two genders. And then the whole misogyny and all the gender stuff that goes on, you know, women have to go through it, misogyny, women hatred, hatred of women and their struggles. I really identified with that and, um, and the slavery of, um, people taken from Africa and there's gender intersex people there too, right? As we know. Right. (laughs) In the Olympics there. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, I, what I really enjoyed, um, you know, kind of learning about you and then just uh, how your work affects people, your fans and 
anybody who comes across it is the this really profound way of expression. And even if I myself, um, as a cisgender person, you know, it's it's so easy to understand, which is interesting because even in today's time, so many people fail to understand, you know, the non-binaries, the uh, gender queers, intersex, transgender, even I feel like we're, you know, people are still trying to understand um, transgender. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, since 12, you've really have thrown yourself into your work, whether that's through, you know, visual aspect or some writing uh, to, 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 I mean, you know, am I right or am I, am I wrong in, in that it, it, yeah, it really yeah. is important for you? I think maybe also it's healing for you. Of course. Yeah. It's um, talking to yourself and discovering, making discoveries about the world, about yourself, about society around you. Mm-hmm. It's uh, really important that we keep that connection and always question what's going on. Um, why is this? Why is this politician not want people, trans people peeing <laughs> in certain washrooms? <laughs> that's the whole agenda that's been around for decades and decades and decades, right? Mm-hmm. Of um, just controlling bodies, controlling certain bodies, not letting them in certain places. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm actually going to school, university now, and getting some um, academic underpinnings for my thoughts that I've had for years. And um, and I'm in the sexual diversity studies, reading about discourse, and it's all very... I didn't, I know these writers were around when I was, you know, in my early 20s, early 30s, but I was too busy living it to read about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So now I'm reading about all these writers that were writing back then about identities like mine and people like me, but at the time I was too busy creating it, living it. (laughs) It's interesting how, um, yeah, you know, as we're, it feels like right now how the media is playing it out. It seems like, you know, being LGBTQI or something other is like this new phenomenon when, in fact, you know, these identities yeah. have been around for the since, you know, the creation of human life. Um, exactly. Alec, I want to I want to dive into your work, uh, but we're going to okay. take a quick break. So when we come back, let's let's talk about your work. Don't go away. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. 
After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.alegrecare.com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. brought to you by. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining me here. Michelle Meow, your host. Our special guest on the phone is Alec Butler, who is an incredible writer, an award-winning writer, by the way, and also filmmaker, um, and who also also identifies as trans, intersex, and two-spirit. And I bring that up because uh, I think it's very important to just be honest and authentic and open about our identities, especially in the LGBTQ community. We still have a lot of education to go. Alec, I had read um, somewhere that, uh, well, actually, you know, not just reading this this particular line about you talking about how even, you know, uh, gay men during uh, gay pride had made you feel unsafe. But um, during yeah. your, your process, even being in the dyke space um, and then transitioning, you had felt even, uh, you know, some disconnection from the dyke community. Uh, talk to us about how the the pain of even, I mean, we, we opened up with rejection, but, uh, you know, rejection within your own community, quote unquote, um, yeah. has, yeah. you know, affected you personally and, and how that has played out in your work. Oh, wow. Um, well, I just keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I do. That's all I can do is just keep doing it. Keep uh, expressing what's happened to me what I know has happened to other people like me. And um, it seems to be, it seems to be um, affecting people and mm-hmm. speaking to people. And that uh, that's what's most important, really, that other people get something out of it, get some comfort out of it, some enlightenment out of it, some confirmation that they're not crazy out of it, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Well, it, it, in, and, um, specifically speaking, you know, in terms of your work, say, for example, um, Medusa Rising. Uh, oh, yes. You yes. know, and, and so you're very open about being in pain. Um, yeah, I think you even used the word, word bitter. And so that was kind of like where I was going with that question of, right. you know, you're already dealing with rejection from the world. And then, and then you know, I think that what I enjoyed about reading from you is that, you know, we also are then rejected within our own communities as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, I think that's, um, also 
a, a process of being triggered. Mm-hmm. Gay men are triggered, dykes are triggered by what's going on. When they see a trans person, it kind of shakes up their shakes up their perceptions too of of um, their identity, and um, it's kind of like gay people affecting straight people. Oh, ooh, uh, I like gay people. Does that mean I'm gay? <laughs> kind of thing. But it, that's not what it is. It's like um, just being aware of the first time that, oh, this is possible. This is um, maybe not for me, but I might meet other people like this. I have to be open about this, open about it, my feelings about this. Maybe I'm co- uncomfortable. Maybe I should explore that. Why I'm uncomfortable? We should always do that. We all, we should always explore what makes us uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. to learn from it. Um, I've um, explored my own. You know, we all have a, we all we all live in a racist society. So yes. We're all affected by racism. Right. And um, like, if we're uncomfortable, we say, "Oh." Black lives matter. Why don't all lives matter? Like, uh. you have to look at yourself when you're saying that. It's like, well, actually, at the moment, I my life is pretty comfortable. I'm not being threatened by police every day I walk out the door. Like, um, like black men are, black women are, you know, mm-hmm. basically a war on them, which is... Which is, I'm totally supportive of Black Lives Matter and what they did at Pride this year, mm-hmm. stopping the narrative, punching the narrative, and that's pride. Oh, pride. we're all just happy queers here, consuming yeah. everything in sight. No, it's a, there's a politics behind this queer movement, and we're kind of getting away from it. And this is Pride uh, Toronto or Vancouver? Yes, Pride Toronto. I don't know Toronto. if you heard that. Uh, yeah, Black Lives Matter stopped the parade, and it caused a whole lot of. Um, Vitriol coming from the gay community, mm-hmm. gay men, and you know, lesbians of of uh, anyway, they just um, evacuated the Black Lives Movement group for um, doing that, stopping their precious precious parade for fifteen minutes, and I just thought it was ridiculous. It just highlighted how far we've come from our origins of being. Being the the um, rebels, I guess you could say <laughs> <laughs> the new radicals. The, uh, the new radicals, yeah. We're yeah. not as radical as we thought. <laughs> Basically, um, we think we're radical, but this happens, and we're all like, "Oh, they stopped our parade!" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you see, in the- it used to be a march, a protest march, right? And you know, and, and that's just one example. But what uh, against police violence? I would what what that really brings up for me is just um, I you know it's it's like for for those of us who are people of color within the LGBTQ community. I mean, we already exist outside 
of of the 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 system, or I guess I should say yeah. inside, because we're being controlled and oppressed constantly. But <laughs> but when you put it when you when you examine it on a microscopic level and how our lives are continually oppressed within even the LGBTQ community, it can be yeah. so dark and and so depressing. So my question to you is just kind of like, how do we? How do we get our, you know, uh, the the? How do we get our oppressors within our own communities? I feel like we have to make that breakthrough before we can make many other breakthroughs that this country needs to work on. Right. I mean, well, just just put it in for example, like in Hollywood, yeah. you know, and you've got you've got gay cisgender men who argue that you know acting's acting, and and it doesn't matter if it's a cisgender person playing a trans role and i just feel like in every (laughs) system it's like somebody's got to you know they've 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 got to solidify that it it it, it, a a cisgender white gay male can have it all or something yeah 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 exactly it's um an imbalance there we're all we're all um Part of the humanity, and uh, and a trans woman should be able to be played by a trans woman. Mm-hmm. I was very uh, adamant about that when I first started in theater, trying to get a lesbian actress to actually play a lesbian character. It was phenomenal what I had to go through to make that happen. Like this was thirty years ago, so it was actually dangerous for lesbians who were actors to come out they could lose any future roles in any major theater that they wanted if it was known that they were lesbian you know Mm -hmm. but i was adamant about that i wouldn't even put up a production if i didn't have actual lesbians playing um lesbian characters i was very insistent on that insistent on that i was pretty lucky to be introduced to some fabulous actors who were in my place. Right. And, um, yeah. And, um, actually, in Medusa Rising, I created a trans woman character. Mm-hmm. And it was played by a, a two-spirit man. And, um, but trying to get a trans character in 20 years ago, or a trans actor 20 years ago, was like <laughs> the same thing I went through with a lesbian. Ten years before that. So, yeah, it's very important to give a hand up. If you're in a comfortable position, you don't really need to do that role. Recommend somebody who's trans for it. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's how I met the people I work with. People recommended me, recommended them to me. I was like, oh, wonderful. Yay. <laughs> Finally. And I also wanted to create a base, like a database of actors who were gay, LGBT, mm-hmm. in a way, in my own little way there. <laughs> right? Right. That other that other playwrights who were LGBT could use and learn from and um, write their stories for. Mm-hmm. That was always very important to me. Um, so I know you're working on a, a, a new book, I should say. Is it a memoir, Rough Paradise, or just writings oh, it's from come out. It's 
It's out. Oh, it is out. All right. It's out. It, yeah, it's been published. Came out two years ago. Rough Paradise. Yeah, my novella, which is um, about growing up intersex, trans, two-spirit, <laughs> mm-hmm. growing up in a, in a poor community, rough working-class community, finding out all these secrets that were hidden about um, their, 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 they find out that they're actually First Nations or mixed First Nations and um, what happens with that. And they're also in the relationship with a very interesting character, the, the character of Darla, who plays a high school young lesbian femme. And um, it's also really sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell by your other work that, again, it's very expressive, and it, it I can connect with it, although it's your story, um, not yeah. mine. Um, yeah. But that's what I love about your book, and I think so many of us are drawn to to your work, and that would be because you you touch and tap into our own um, need for open expression of who we are. Alec, I want to thank yeah. you so much for joining me here on the program and sharing your work and sharing your voice and for being the beautiful you. Oh, thank you. It's been a real treat to talk to you. To all you San Francisco's from San Francisco's <laughs> in there, out there. Really I, you know, exciting. we used to, we used Canadian, to be so much more progressive. <laughs> uh, well, we love the Canadians. I mean, there's so many San Franciscans who've already threatened to move to Canada if we elect Donald Trump as president. But, but other than, I mean, there's so many queers who had been talking about moving to Canada anyway because, you know, of the, um, moderate progressives who who are here in the city now and 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 there are a lot of radicals you know who applauded the of what black lives matter did in in toronto um yeah. uh here who would, who would probably appreciate living there but we love what you guys are doing over there and and it's a sense of the community that i think that we we, we d- desperately need yeah, regardless if there is marriage equality <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah Alec, yeah. thanks, thanks so, again. So, so buy my book, folks. Yes, buy Alec's book. Supporting a queer LGBT, you can contact me through my website, www.alecbutler.com, and contact me if you're interested in getting my book. Awesome. It's a quick, hot little read. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, well, Alec, okay. thanks again, and hopefully we'll speak to you soon. Okay. Have a good day. Visit alecbutler.com for uh, information on all of his work. I was able to watch a, the, one video um, that was quite interesting. Um, again, I loved it. It was very, it was, yeah, yeah tantalizing is a good word. Um, and, and that would be one of uh, Alec's first work, Pussy Boy or First Love. Um, so you can check it out by heading to alecbutler.com or buy his book, Rough Paradise. Don't go away. When we come back, we have more here on the Michelle Meow Show. Hi, I'm Chuck Spence. I'm the owner of the Maui Sunseeker LGBT Resort, and I'm also vice president of Maui Pride. 
it's not just the only LGBT resort in Maui, it's the only LGBT resort in all of Hawaii, which is really kind of amazing. Maui Sunseeker actually started years and years before I even got involved. I came along as one of the owners a little bit later in, in life. I came to Maui back in 1978 and absolutely loved the island. I fell in love and I thought, this is where I want to live, this is where I want to be. And so from 1978 until 2008, I finally came alive with the dream and bought the Maui Sunseeker because I realized that this would be the next step in my life and um, thought that this would be an ideal situation because I could do something that, that was my own business rather than making money for other people. It's important to have a place where you know you can feel comfortable about yourself, you can feel loved, and you can feel welcomed by everybody. And I think that that's the ambiance that we try to create. And, and that's the message that, that we try to deliver in all of our ads and trying to bring people to Maui, is that you know we're not just an experience on Maui, we're an experience of Maui. When you think back years ago, how closeted we used to be, and you think about how suppressed we were back then to how open and accepting we are now and and it's it's a good progression for society it's good that people are, are not just you know tolerating but appreciating diversity and that's the message is that we really need to make sure that, that people appreciate diversity I think that whoever you are follow your passion follow what you believe in follow whether it leads you down the path of art or whether it leads you down a path of business or you know, some other aspect of internet creativity. Um, follow that and, and just be passionate about what you do. Spotlight on Success and Achievement is brought to you by Wells Fargo. Together, we'll go far. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining me here on the program. I'm Michelle Meow, your host. Today's been awesome being back in the studio and speaking to some great, awesome heroes of our community. Our next guest is definitely a hero in our community in a, in a very, very big way. Not only is she an activist, within our community, the LGBTQI community, but also a big voice for us on a bigger platform. She's the founder of the California Transgender Workplace Program, a board member of the Trevor Project, and CEO of the Pollo West Corporation, which is one of the West Coast's largest franchisees for El Pollo Loco. Mm. And she's also a passionate advocate, as I said, for the transgender community. Let's welcome Michaela Mendelson uh, to the program. Michaela, welcome. Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Monday. Thanks for that intro. I almost had to look around and say, who is she talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm so excited to have you on the show and to, to talk about everything that you do because it, it is so huge. And, you know, just the other day, um, uh, the entire country was able to hear about this groundbreaking program that you've put together um, for the transgender employment community. community. Let's talk about it. Sure, of course. So, what can I what can I tell you? Do you yeah. want me, where do you want me to start? Yeah, let's start with the basics. It's it's being you know applauded as the first, uh, I believe, the first transgender specific employment program, which is basically uh, a program specifically out there to hire transgender employees, right? 
Well, um, possibly the first large-scale program. There are some great organizations doing some fine work, one of which is up in your area, the San Francisco LGBT Center, has a transgender employment program uh, run by Claire Farley, and they're one of our collaborators. Um, and then there's a program down in Los Angeles, which is kind of their sister program. I think they were the first with it, and that's the LA LGBT Center, which is their transgender employment program is run by Drian Juarez. So I want to thank those two because they're working closely with us. Um, you know, I'm, I uh, had the thought to bring this on a more wide-scale wide basis throughout the state, and we started with a collaboration with the California Restaurant Association, which is uh, been brave enough to uh, put their toe in the water where no other, you know, large employer group uh, or association across the country has. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we know that the the basis of of uh, the, the I guess the correlation between transgender unemployment percentages and um, yeah, actual trans employees being hired would would be they're not being hired because of discrimination. I mean, let's let's just face it. Um, discrimination is one of the key reasons why transgender people do not get hired. Um, so when you say the California Restaurant Association is brave enough to put their toe in, the, in this water, how do we how are they willing to work with someone like you in, in order to, you know, one, hire more trans people? but also create a safe place for trans people to work. Well, let me answer that, but then, and then let me kind of regress to where the, where this idea started and mm-hmm. why I decided to do it in the restaurant industry. So um, they're, um, they've taken a stand against discrimination. Um, you know, the restaurant industry has been one of an industry based of, that's represented diversity just in the fact that, you know, in California, especially, the um, you know when if you when you look at the makeup of uh, ethnicities in restaurants you know you've, it's all over the board and very very mixed group so uh, they felt I think they felt that this was very much in line with you know where they are as a um, as an organization and as an industry and uh, they've really gotten behind it um, it they've really surprised me I mean I've had a relationship with them for about twelve years because. Um, I've been part of that the, their association mm-hmm. before and after my transition, but um, they've really gotten behind this and behind the message of of uh, you know supporting transgender people um, in the workplace. So how they're helping us with that is helping open the door and promote um, the program, and the program uh, consists of educating their. Um, the restaurant operators, the owners and the managers. And, and as part of that, you know, we have, uh, we're in the midst of production on a 15-minute training video that is um, written by a transgender writer. Um, it's, it's, uh, I think it's going to be, uh, I'm sure it's going to be a very entertaining as well as informative video, one that people will say, gee, I enjoyed watching that, but I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's designed for managers of restaurants. Typically, in a restaurant, there'll be four managers. Mm-hmm. And so they watch the video, um, get educated. We supply each restaurant with a workplace poster that comes from the, the par- Department of Fair Employment and Housing, specifically on transgender workplace laws and, and, and issues. And um, once we know that re- the restaurants are ready, we will be 
uh, introducing them to a pipeline of applicants, transgender applicants across the state. Now that's where people like the LA LGBT Center and my um, and my partner in this program, Bambi Salcedo and the Trans Latina Coalition, mm-hmm. come in, and the San Francisco LGBT Center, and we're about to form a, a program with the Sacramento and hopefully uh, and San Diego, hopefully, wow. uh, uh, centers, where they help vet out the employees. They have processes by which people come in, and they help them. You know, they, there's workplace counselors that help them. You know, make sure they're ready to go out into the workplace. Mm-hmm. If they know how to dress, um, that they that if they need some help with education, with how to fill out an application, um, if you know if they've never been in the workplace before, so we want you know to make our best showing when you know uh, give people a chance to really get hired when they go in for their interview. And so you know the program's just starting. Um, we're going to be doing seminars throughout the state in the next few months. That is so incredible. Wow. That's so amazing. Thank you so much for, for just that work. And, you know, prior to learning of a large scale program like this, what we have been reading and what we do know, if you're following any of the major LGBT organizations who put out um, statistics, the statistics are grave for transgender people in our community uh, between violence and, like we had mentioned, unemployment and even current workplace dis- uh, discrimination, really, and oftentimes forces our trans brothers and sisters to be isolated from the real world, right? Yeah, let me, I'll throw out just a few statistics that I think are really relevant. Um, uh, trans, and, you know, that uh, 90% uh approximately of trans people have experienced workplace discrimination. And that's including not being hired because they're transgender or being hired and treated poorly. And what got me started on this was four and a half years ago, I hired my first transgender employee, Christy. Uh, I was actually, she was actually hired by one of my restaurant managers. And I went in about a week later to meet her. I, I was very excited and, um, and, sat down with Christy and she told me her story, which was appalling. She had been, although clearly identifying and presenting as a woman, she had been forced by the manager of this large chain to um, use the men's restroom. And, you know, that's not where she belonged. She was frightened and for good reason. And she was, uh, and there was a man who attempted to sexually molest her in the restroom. Now, the restaurant manager did not file a police report, did not try to find out who that customer was. Instead, he reluctantly agreed to allow her to use the women's restroom from there forward as long as no other women were in there at the time because it was a multi-stall restroom. She would, well, Christy would always hold it in as long as she could because she just didn't like being in this situation. But when she just had to go, she'd have another girl go in and scout the restroom and make sure there was nobody else in there. Well, one day another woman walked in behind her, went back out, told her husband, there's someone in there that might be a man. And the man, the, her husband went up to the manager and told the manager, if you don't fire this woman, I'm going to tell all my friends not to come to this restaurant. And the manager just promptly fired her. Oh. Now, when I was hearing this story, it was over a year after it happened, and the statute of limitations had run out. Um, but it made me realize, so we couldn't do anything legally, but it made me realize um, how lucky I was to have transitioned as the, bo- my, as the boss of my own business, not having to face, I faced other sexist issues for being trans, for being a woman, seeing it from both sides now. 
but I, I didn't have to worry about having a job and uh, or transitioning in the workplace, you know, uh, because I was the owner. And mm-hmm. if people didn't like it, you know, there's the door. So, um, but, uh, you know, Christy uh, and, and many, many other stories of women I've now hired, um, you know, are very similar. Some, some you know, horrific, uh, some including violence. And um, so... And I realized how important a program like this would be, so I started hiring transgender um, women mostly because they're the ones who face this the most, and trans women of color mostly because they're the ones that face this the most. Mm-hmm. And um, found that it was a wonderful experience. I was a little concerned at first about you know, how my employees would respond, how uh, my customers would respond. In both cases, it's been a wonderful experience. I get more compliments on my transgender employees than anyone else. The customers see how happy they are to be on a level playing field and, and thriving because they're, you know, working in their true genders and, and in contact with customers every day and customers are responding and my business is doing well. So I go out there and I talk about the business case to get people to hire. That is so awesome again and, and so amazing. Uh, Michaela, we're going to take a quick break right here, but when we come back, I want to dive into a lot of your other activism work and how you also had a hand in uh, Orange is the New Black. Um, So don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.ale.com. G-R-E-C-A-R-E dot com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. 
Welcome back. It's Michelle Miao, your host, and our special guest on the phone is Michaela Mendelson, who is the founder of the California Transgender Workplace Program, and we've been talking about that right before the break, and also is a board member of the Trevor Project, which I should I should say, uh, and I'll ask her <laughs> herself, but I believe the first transgender board member for the Trevor Project. Is that correct, Michaela? That is correct, but I would like to say that uh, that's not an indication of their focus on the transgender community. They have transgender staff members and uh, and transgender members of the Youth Advisory Council, and they've focused very strongly on helping the transgender uh, youth that are in crisis. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, when um, when that happened, a lot of the LGBT media organizations were reporting you as the first. Um, you know what. What was that like for you? I, I can tell that definitely in kind of clarifying that doesn't reflect on the organization, but having transgender leadership out there and representation is really important. Well, I I want to start on a, on a general basis and come back to Trevor that uh, I think as, uh, as trans people, most of us recognize that in the large LGBT organizations throughout the country, um, for many years, we were kind of like, you know, the uh, uh, the black sheep, or or at least a, um, you know a distant cousin, and that you know we our programs weren't being focused on. And but I'm really pleased, and I work with a number of organizations now closely. I'm really pleased that how in the last several years that's changed. Mm-hmm. That um, you know they see, you know, it's really come into light, and uh, they need. For for assistance in in this arena and for making us part of their you know their primary focus and I now feel we are a primary focus for nearly all the large organizations in the country and um, Trevor r- realizes that also because um, they uh, uh, a, a large part maybe even as much as half of their high risk calls that come into their crisis line are from. A gen- from transgender uh, or gender nonconforming people. And um, so, you know, they're really focused on this. And I felt, as the first transgender board member, I felt um, both a great responsibility but an awesome responsibility to make sure that, you know, they had all the input they needed to, um, you know, uh, about the transgender community to bring them the right contacts and the right information that, that they could really be helping the transgender youth um, mm-hmm. in, in all ways. What do you think, in general, as we're talking about large LGBT nonprofit organizations that have been doing, you know, liber- uh, that have been a part of the liberation movement as well as the equal rights movement, um, do you think that they're currently doing a, a good job or there's, a, there's at least some breakthrough success with uh, gay and lesbian leadership stepping away to allow for, you know, the more marginalized voices like the transgender community to step in and, and lead? Well, um, you know, I, I don't know enough about the leadership structure mm-hmm. of, of all of these large groups. I can just speak about the programs and the people I talk to that, um, that run the programs, and, and I see that there's a, a huge focus on, on the trans needs. Um, I was at the LA LGBT um, Vanguard Awards uh, Saturday night, um, and uh, there was probably about 800 people there. And I was there with two of my transgender employees that are I consider heroes. And um, 
it was a delightful evening for us because they just were, you'll see it's actually coming out tomorrow. This, this, uh, month's edition, 50th anniversary edition of the, of their Vanguard magazine is myself and three of my transgender employees on the cover. Um, and it may be the first or one of the first magazines they've ever had anyone transgender on their cover. Mm. And, um, I think we're really making inroads. And when I spent time walking around and speaking to people all that night, um, you know, I was speaking uh, to a lot of gay men and, and lesbian women and just allies who were just really, really sincerely interested and and wanting to see, you know, the, these, the agenda move forward. Mm-hmm. So I, I just feel, I feel it's very sincere. I feel they're putting their money and their time where their mouth is. And uh, I'm pleased to see that. You know, I'm, of course, some more than others. But, um, you know, I'm meeting this Thursday with the president of um, Equality California. And they've recently put forth a program in California called Transform uh, California. Uh, and that's all about trans uh, transgender education in California. Mm-hmm. You know, they've, they're, the, they're the biggest, uh, I'd say, the most involved political organization in California for the LGBT community, and they're really making a statement. So they want to talk to us about, you know, how they can help on our workplace program. That's wonderful. That's great to hear. And since I mentioned it and we're winding down on time, I do want to ask a couple questions about, um, you know, uh, I guess Hollywood, at least on Netflix, sure. uh, Orange is the New Black, and how you were part of the, uh, the creation of Sophia's uh, character, right? Well, I'm, you know, I'm not by, tr- by trade. I'm an entrepreneur and a uh, CEO, but uh, I'm not a television uh, or uh, film consultant, but a um, friend of mine who is a very successful gay writer uh, called me. He said, I'm, I'm now one of the head writers for Orange is the New Black, the new Genji, Genji Cohen uh, um, project. This was about four years ago. And um, would you, Genji, you know, would like, I've told her about you and would love for you to come in and talk to her and her writers. So it was a it was a fun experience for me. That was at the Johnny Carson building and um, at the uh, Universal Studios, and they had a parking spot for me. And I walk in, and I've got ten writers with Genji at the table, and spent about three hours talking to them, and a few subsequent meetings with the writer assigned to the backstory for Sophia, and uh, and just you know try to get them to understand all what this you know, the whole trans experience. Mm-hmm. Cause, and, and, I, and I told them basically there's, there's two reasons I'm doing this. You know, I don't expect recognition or any financial, you know, uh, support for doing this for you. All I want is two things. And, and of course, you're Genji Cohen and you're going to do what you want, but I'd love to see you um, get, the, get, get it right because it's been done wrong for so many years in Hollywood, the whole transgender roles that have been, you know, these stereotypes, very mm-hmm. negative. And I want, and I'd love to see you hire a transgender actress, please. Uh. You know, these roles have always been played by cisgender people, uh, who are all well-meaning and they do good jobs, but it's not the same. And so I was, I'm just so proud that she did both. She really got it right. Um, so I think a lot of what I uh, uh, shared with them went into the backstory of her being a, a fire, uh, having been a fireman before. Um, uh, uh, you know, this, these macho male roles that trans men, trans women played to try and erase their, their issues that, of course, didn't work. 
And also she hired a wonderful, wonderful woman, you know, a trans woman, mm-hmm. you know, to play the role, Laverne right. Cox. So, right. yeah, it was, it's great. I'm so, getting goosebumps because um, prior to even finding out that you're part of um, the creation or development of Sophia Bursette's uh, character played by Laverne Cox, I'd always felt like, you know, even still till this day, Orange is the New Black has gotten it right when it came to a transgender character. And now there's all this talk um, of the, a string of cisgender gay men or even cisgender men playing trans roles and how problematic that can be. So I appreciate this story very much and it all makes sense now. That is so great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I've noticed there is talk about that again. And, and there was a wonderful speech given by Jeffrey Tambor uh, at the Emmy Awards about how he'd gladly give up his role and, and wants it to be the last time a trans person is played by a cisgender person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're reaching out to Jeffrey, by the way, through people he knows uh, to see if he'll uh, help support our uh, trans workplace project. So. Oh, that's so wonderful. And so if people, you know, who are tuning in now are kind of interested and or want to reach out either to help or, or find out more information, how, how can they do that? Do you have um, the program that's up on a website somewhere? Sure. I have two uh, websites. Uh, MichaelaSpeaks.com is, is an overall website about everything I do and about my public speaking because I've been out there over 300 times in the last four years speaking to groups about these things. But um, the website specific to this project is at transcanwork.org transcanwork.org, and that will keep them abreast of specifically what we're doing with this workplace project. Well, it's been so wonderful speaking with you, Michaela, and again, you're a hero to, of course, the transgender community, but so many of us who um, are part of this community look at your leadership as a template for what we can be doing to become better allies for those marginalized in our community. So I thank you so much just for you. Oh, you're welcome, Michelle. It's really my pleasure to be on your show, and thank you for everything you do as well. Thank you. All right. So if you need more information um, uh, as far as Michaela's programs, I will also list that information up as we post the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show today, the Michelle Meow Show. Uh, felt great to come back to the studio and and kick the week off with speaking with two major giants, I should say, gigantic activists in our community who are doing incredible work with what they do, with Alec Butler and his filmmaking and his writing and and, and have always been authentic to himself in terms of of expressing his true um, identities has really helped a lot of us be more comfortable with the idea of identities existing outside of just gay, lesbian, even gay, lesbian, bisexual, and even gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender. Um, So I really do hope that if you tuned in today that you'll support Alec's work. You can head to alecbutler.com. And then Michaela Mendelssohn, who is an incredible voice for the transgender community, but like I said, can also be a leader to many of us who are part of the LGBT community. There's always been this point that I've been trying to make to a lot of people is that we don't necessarily need to step into these roles to to help save the trans community. Say if you're a cisgender uh, person, what I think is very important is that we become better allies and supportive and also resourceful. Um, you know, many of us are, are acclimating 
really well into the heteronormative space and you know you're sitting in I guess I should say leadership roles the best thing that you can do is find out how what resources um, you can utilize to give back to your community I think that that's very important We'll be here tomorrow with John Zipper, and we'll have an explosive show for you. And that's just because I know he's tuning in really hard tonight for (laughs) the debate between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. So we'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock for everything else. You can head to michellemeow.com. We'll see you tomorrow.